Episode 46, three years to version one. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrapped SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode from Aaron Waikie of Leadferno. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron Waikie. Once again, I'm solo. Hopefully you caught that note listening to the last episode 45. Um, and I want to start off this episode with, uh, I don't know, in the, in the newspaper business, it used to be like a, an omission or they'd publish a correction. But I kind of laughed in, in listening back to the episode, mostly to critique myself and figure out in doing it solo, did I sound like a complete fool or not? I think I did all right. And thanks to a few of you that shared uh, kudos or gave me some support in it, uh, that it was still enjoyable and and helpful for you. I forgot to include uh, something that I was doing on the marketing and sales side, right? That whole last episode was about just kind of the stagnant sales that uh, we had seen through September and October, August, September and October. And one of the things that I forgot, something that I've been excited about and putting a lot of time to into is I launched another podcast. And the difference with this podcast, instead of like this, focused on SaaS and running the business and those types of angles, this was more focused to the target audience I want to sell to, to our existing customers. It's, it's a podcast about digital marketing uh, with the angle of digital marketing and how conversion interacts, impacts, benefits from it. So that podcast is called Conversion Cast. I have nine episodes out now. Uh, I have four more already recorded in, in, in the can, and I've really had a great time doing it. I'm very lucky because in speaking at a lot of conferences over the years, I feel like I have a very good network of people that I can text or email and ask them for half an hour of their time to talk about a subject, a topic, a strategy, a a tactic that they can share that can help small business, large business. I I try to really make it approachable for any digital marketer, whether you own a business, you're in-house, you're an agency owner. And so that's been really great. Uh, Just like in doing this solo, I'd really never been a straight up host before. Obviously, Darren and I worked a co-host of banter back and forth, but this has been a whole different level of preparation, knowing uh, what the subject is going to be, doing research on it, looking at a past recording, podcast episode, slide deck, something like that, where they've talked about it, making notes, being informed and asking the right questions to be able to produce a helpful episode. So that's really been fun. Maybe it's something that you want to check out. Some of it's definitely uh, applicable to SaaS marketing. One of the last episodes was with Ross Simmons talking about content marketing and distribution. We've done content creation and conversion with AI. So just really a number of things that can be helpful to any type of business with their digital marketing. So I don't know how I forgot that. It was in my notes. I somehow skipped over it. And it's obviously a big deal I've been putting out episodes every two weeks on that and recording one to two episodes inside of it just to to stay ahead. I'm already set for the the end of the year and uh, planning to start recording 
some of the 2024 episodes. The other thing I wanted to just provide is a quick update um, from last episode and the cold email campaigns uh, that we're doing, not just myself, which I always do, but we had hired a vendor. And the last uh, two weeks since we talked on that, I've seen it really hit stride and pick up in the number of leads. We've also had some success. I've converted three of the demos and calls that they've set for me into trials. And I would say two of those three are very, very strong candidates um, to stick around and and stay on with us. I have another four demos that uh, I have completed in the last two weeks from that. So I've been extremely busy with our demos. Doing live demos is the point of this call. We also have recorded demos on our site. And I've seen a, a nice pickup in those lately. I don't know if it's podcast related, cold outreach remit related content, some of the other different things uh, that we're doing. Um, but from the cold email vendor, we've done four of those. Three of those uh, are still alive at a certain point in the in the process. Two are waiting next steps. One is on a hold while they get a couple other things in their lead process figured out. And then I have four demos booked and upcoming. And really, for the most part, these are fitting my criteria pretty well. As I talked about in the last episode, it's just been being in constant communication and helping update what the targeted list looks like and what the the initial emails look like and then what the replies are. Um, We have a Slack channel set up between the two of us. And we've gotten to the point now where there are virtual assistants that do the responses to, you know, the majority of people when they respond to that cold email is just like a one sentence or one question reply. Um, So it's very short and sweet. So it's answering that, but then also giving them more information to try to continue the conversation. And so we've moved to where I just, anytime they get a warm reply, I'm having the VA post that into Slack so that I can help with their reply. They'll post their first version. And sometimes I'm like, yep, that's good to go because we've already gone through this a number of times and given them stuff. And other times, just by looking at a few things, there's already some other angles I want to attack based on what I see on their website or their Google rankings, things like that. So overall, I'm feeling very positive about that and where it's at. I'm kind of, I don't know, lamenting. I have a little bit of uh, travel next week, and then it's Thanksgiving the weekend after that. I would really love to just keep going the way the last two weeks have gone of work and demos and all that stuff every day, because we're starting to get in that time of year where you're really cramming things into a much tighter window because you're losing time because of holidays, your prospects are losing time because of holidays and end of year things. So, but anyway, I'll continue to uh, keep you updated on that. So the main topic today, and this is one of those, uh, the, the statement itself felt a little bit strange to put out there at first, but let me explain and, and hopefully I do a good enough job so this makes some sense to you in, in the way I present it. We broke ground on Code for Lead Inferno roughly three years ago this fall, right around um, this time, end of October, two years ago is, or three years ago is when we started coding the tool. And it was the following August when we got, right at the end of August, when we got our first version um, to market and took our first paying customers in, a handful that were, you know, our known contacts, people who knew that we were building it and were paying attention to the pre-marketing we were doing. And within those Customers, you know, we acquired a little bit and gained like a thousand, two thousand dollars in in MRR to start. That was kind of easy taking of 
known acquaintances and people willing to give it a try. And overwhelmingly, that initial feedback, there were, there were two things that really were showstoppers um, for people. And that was, we'd only rolled out the web app and we didn't have any type of connections, integrations available. So we used that feedback from the first month and then went right to work. And, and we were already planning to roll out our mobile apps because we had built using Flutter on the front end. So we had built all the web in Flutter web. So we had really made it so we'd be able to move fast with the mobile apps once we had the web app out. And then the other on the connections integration side, we ended up hiring a, a vendor to create um, our first version Zapier app. And that included, I think, eight or nine triggers and actions, the things that we had mapped out in talking with users and customers and based off being users and, and understanding it using Zapier before ourselves. So those two things, we got those both to market basically the following January. And at that time, we kind of looked at it like, okay, that now this is, our, this is our V1 that we've released with. But truly, I never felt that way. And it's probably just because of my own internal standards or how I felt about things. A lot of it comes down to when I was doing demos and pitching prospects and talking to them, I felt like I had more no's, not yet, you can't do that. Or you explain this way, but there's actually a different way to do that. There is a way to accomplish it with our product. And I just felt like that was more of the conversation. We had our core things that we did and we did well and we had options with, but then there was a whole bunch of other things that, that we didn't have that. And so to like summarize that with some of the features that we've built this summer and early fall, I finally got that feeling. I got that V1 feeling. And I know that might seem like really strange and three years might just be a really long time. And someone else might say, no, you're on like version two or version three of your product. But to me, it feels like this is the version one. And I, I kind of qualify this by saying, if somebody told me I had to stop building on our product right now, I couldn't change anything. I couldn't add anything. This is what I had to sell. I feel like I could sell this for the next one year, two years, and still make sales. The growth might not be as good. Making news might be challenging. Our current customers we, ha we have might notice some lag when there isn't an email update every other month or a big feature quarterly there. That sure can eat into things. But I could definitely keep going to businesses and feel really good with what I'm putting in front of them. And I don't know if that's wrong. I don't know if you would define that differently for yourself or how you break that down. But to me, that's like the, that's the version one. That is when you've hit a good enough base that yes, you're going to continue to add on and do things. But what you have right then and there, you feel like this is something I can continue to sell with and not be selling on what's coming next or the hope or all of those things. So I hope that makes sense in the way um, that I explained it. And that's why this is titled three years to version one. Yeah, again, sounds kind of silly, but that's just the way I think. And so that feels really good. And so I wanted to just walk through a couple of the bigger features that really helped um, contribute to that. And then kind of a update on some uh, things on our, our team and some adju adjustments that we've made with, within our workflow for a temporary uh, time. So the first thing that we released, I think, towards end of July or early August was a tags feature. 
And what Tags allows you to do, I'm sure all of you are very familiar with this type of feature. It's no different than how you would tag conversations in email or a support tool. But this was a really great ad for us and, and definitely for me personally, because the way we built Tags and the opportunities of things you can do with Tags really hit some great areas for me. Number one is that I look at it, it's one of these features that I always love to create where I call it like the a Swiss army knife feature where you create it and build it, but what the customer can do with it can be a myriad of things, right? Kind of a choose your own adventure. And these are features I just really love because they can actually solve so many different problems, approaches. They can do multiples of, of those at once. And to me, those are so incredibly valuable even though they might not have all of the whiz-bang or hype or fly to the moon behind them as doing something with AI would nowadays. But these tags are just so useful in so many different use cases. And to me, that was just so valuable. It was our, our first feature where we really got that, where it was like, hey, here's this feature, and you can probably use it five, six, seven different ways um, based on what you want to do. So. It obviously helps you within your lead management. So you can use tags for sales stages, right? Where you can have pre-qualified, qualified, um, estimated, uh, close one, close two, right? Where you're attempting to make those closes. So that's definitely one reason why we created this is to help people manage um, within their funnel of their text threads and messaging threads within our inbox that they can apply these tags and know what stage that this lead is at so that they can filter to just things in that stage and make sure they continue to nudge them and take a next step in what they need to do. Someone managing a, a team that's in here or acting as kind of a, an overview can take a look at all conversations and see where all reps are at as far as stages. So they can look at leads by stages. They can look at leads um, specifically by who's assigned to them and who's working and communicating with them and what stage it's at for that person. So that's one easy use case. The next one can be you want to organize conversations based on what they're interested in, what service or product are they interested in and looking for. And that way, when we go into reporting features, now you can segment by what are the types of leads that are coming in for this you know, service, service type, product type, uh, things like that. So that's another use case uh, that can be done with it. Uh, you can use it to inform someone else that you're transferring a conversation to what's up with it. It's something that, you know, needs help ASAP or urgent. It might not be a sales opportunity. It might be customer service. So maybe you have a user that's logged in and they're filtered and only looking at conversations marked with customer existing, customer service, help, whatever that might be. So you can start to hopefully see here how I've explained this is this just has so many different use cases. So it's great to build one feature that I might be able to talk to a customer when they're asking questions and talking about their own processes, talking about problems that they currently have that they'd like to solve or things that are speed bumps or detract from their current process and solutions. And this is a feature that can maybe solve two, three, or four of them. Also can bring together ideas on how they can be more efficient, more productive, more accurate reporting, uh, all of those types of, of things. So tags from that standpoint, even though kind of a, I don't know, generic or a base or a run-in-the-mill type feature, 
I felt so great about this just because of all the opportunities that have. And, and as you're selling, anytime you have things where you can outline a solution for somebody using that feature, it's just, it's so incredibly helpful. And so tags just gave me so many more of those opportunities and just ways to show people in demo processes and in sales discussions how to work smarter. And that's only going to be a, a benefit to us. And I've really enjoyed that. The second piece, and this is the one that probably gave me that whole complete feeling of version one is now complete. Um, and that was releasing our, our second reporting screen or dashboard or, or tool into the product. So last, I think it was last January, we released our first internal report called our lead capture report. Lead capture report was basically focused on quantity. That's the way we designed it. We knew we were going to do a quantity-based report and a quality-based report. So that helped you understand how the lead box was performing on the site, a funnel from buttons appearing to click to being open to them taking an action, what pages are generating those conversations, what did they click within the lead box? Did they start a text conversation, request a callback? Did they click the call? So all of things around volume and, and quantity. And so this next report that we just released probably within, I think, the last six weeks, end of September, beginning of October, was our performance report. And this report was focused on quality. And within that, we're reporting on things like how many leads do you have open? What is your average report? first reply to a lead. So in our world, you know, talking about speed to lead, how fast you answer somebody and all, you know, just so many studies being out there on uh, one of them is like your conversion rate is eight times higher when responding in the first five minutes than, than after that. So getting to that lead quickly. So this allowed us the opportunity to track it for a business and to help them see how fast are we with our first human response to these leads. Our system automatically sends an auto reply to new leads. So we're not tracking that because that would be one second every time. But what we want to track is even though we send that auto reply that establishes we received it, here's when you can expect a reply, give us a little more information or tell us a little bit more. We want to see how fast is a human getting to this because that's really one of our goals is scaling human conversations. And so helpful to see that we also have average reply time. So you can see on average between all of our replies and then total resolution time from the lead being open until you mark it closed as one lost or other. What does that timing look like? So that was really helpful to, to deliver that report and have that. Additionally, we also bucket those first reply times. So your average reply time might show 48 minutes and 30 seconds, but then we bucket it in like increments. So how many of those leads are you responding to within the first half hour? So you can see, you know, even though our, our average reply time is 43 minutes, 92% of those leads we are resp responding to with our first reply within 30 minutes. And then the window jumps to one to two hours, then two to four hours, four to eight hours and eight hours plus. So you're never going to hit 100% likely for a business because of those human replies aren't going to come 24 hours. You're not staffing at 24 hours. But this gives them an opportunity to see, like, are we doing the right thing majority of time? And how high can we push that percentage that's in that first bucket of half an hour, as opposed to them being in one to two hours or in two to four hours? We're then telling them how did the leads results. So we're breaking down the number of leads that were marked closed, lost, and other 
And then lastly, a piece that became, you know, that is really great to talk about in demos and an eye opener for people is we break it down per user in the platform. So you can see a table and understand each user. How are they doing? How many leads are they handling? How many messages are they sending? How many are they closing that are wins? What's their own personal average first reply time, overall reply time, and time to total resolution? So this performance report with all of that different criteria focused on timing and outcomes really has been a huge addition. And that was the one I think that really um, tipped me over to feeling like, okay, now we have just this full picture, not only how much we're doing of things, but how can we affect the, the quality of what's there? And so with that, it, it also really pleased me on the marketing and sales side too, because it just really beefed up my demo to have this new report that also I could talk about easily for five minutes on the data that it surfaces. Now it can help with your sales team performance and identify those who maybe need more coaching or more help uh, to have those who are good at this become leaders understand the breakdowns and how response time matters in your business and to track it because likely they're not using other tools that really helps them understand a response time at all. So gaining that sales narrative and another story to sell on, on speed to lead, um, even though we were talking about it already and already talking about how text is part of that, now we actually can say, and we're generating data for you to learn from it, to optimize for accountability and things like that. So combination of tags in the performance report just really built that. And again, it just led me to feeling like, okay, if whatever happened for whatever reason, if I was forced to, because we are going to keep building features, but if I was forced to, I could say, yeah, this is absolutely a product I could sell at the value we're charging for it and get it out there. You know, what's also interesting, and I'll probably riff on this for a topic in a different episode is just how important marketing these feature releases are, um, going back over them again and again, um, mentioning them in future emails to make sure people are aware. I, I think as overall, so many SaaS companies, especially small ones, do such a poor job of feature marketing and product marketing. Um, you get excited to talk about it at launch and then you don't talk about it again. And you don't realize you've had so many new customers and new users and People who missed that first announcement you just need to go back to the well over and over again. So anyway, really excited about that. The last thing that I wanted to share and, and talk about was just kind of sharing a decision-making process, a decision we made and how that's going. Something that felt a little challenging, felt a little bit risky, uh, but I'm happy with where things have gone. This might've been even in the spring, I think we were made aware that our backend developer she was going to be uh, having uh, her first child and going uh, on maternity leave towards the end of the year. And what was great is, you know, we found out and had a lot of time to consider what we should do. And our backend developer is through uh, a, a vendor. Uh, we, for our entire history, have uh, contracted with a company who helped us with our staff fulfillment when we um, started up the company. Their focus is on female uh, developers. And that was something in Joel and I both being male co-founders that we wanted to work hard to diversify our staff. And we saw this, Joel was, my co-founder was connected to someone who is a founder at, at this company. And so they're one of the, you know, 
small group that we interviewed when looking to start building out our team and our, our staff when we started. And so we've worked with them for the three years of the product, and we've only ever had two backend developers. We had one for well over the first year and a half of the product, uh, and then she left for another opportunity and then brought in our current one that we have now. So they brought to us like, hey, here's what we can do. We'll bring someone in about a month before she's going on leave. And the nice thing, the way the timing was going, we knew is like she was going to take off starting October 1st, have the baby in October, and then it wouldn't be until sometime in January when she comes back. So one of the things that they proposed was training someone else uh, in and, and up a month ahead of time and kind of, you know, pairing uh, with our current backend developer, getting them up to, you know, some amount of speed, and then they would fill in for those three months while she's out on maternity leave. And the more we talked about that, Joel and I just really felt that probably, you know, by the time we got them up to speed, it would really kind of be over. Would it give us someone there to, you know, fix something really extreme to at least keep some progress going and everything else? Yes. Is it one more person that is in the code, has to learn the system, everything else? Yes. So we weighed a lot of these things out. Um, the partner was great. They came back to us and said, okay, you know, we understand it, but this isn't all or nothing either. And they also gave us some options for having somebody part-time. And in the end, we just really looked at it like, let's just pause on backend, right? We've been going for almost three years on backend. And we have a whole bunch of things on front end, especially with having both a web app and a mobile app, that we can build up this list this summer and just focus on front end. Uh, and I think it's it's been a great choice. We're halfway through it, and I'm glad we made this choice. You know, one at a high level did it allow us to save money and budget because we're not paying for that resource during this time. Yes, that's an awesome part of this. Um, but more so, it gave Joel a chance who heads up our product and, and runs the team, a chance for him just to focus on the front end, focus on a lot of smaller things, nitpicky things, things that we have wanted to improve on the front end. And when you're managing full cycle development, like there's, it's just harder to have room for that, right? You're working on really big end-to-end -end features. So we easily made that list. We've been working through it. We went through a big refactoring of our front end on uh, the web app and the mobile app, specifically within the conversation, getting into the details on how we show the conversation statuses of a message being sent, a delivery receipt uh, being received, uh, or an error message if it uh, wasn't sent or wasn't received. And we went from those were words that were spelled out on the screen to now symbols for them, making them just easy to recognize, cleaning up the screen. We improved some spacing between conversation threads and thread types uh, and things like that. So a really nice upgrade that our customers maybe, maybe didn't notice. It helped improve the amount of content that's on the screen. We feel like it makes things a lot more readable. So that was kind of our first piece. Now we have a bunch of different little small pieces that we're going through. So knock on wood, and I am knocking on wood as I say that, like we haven't had anything that's been an issue or made me feel bad about that decision. We're starting to plan and gear up for what will we start when the backend developer comes up. But right now we're just definitely feeling good about focusing on all these front end items, tuning things up. We have a few different features that are front end only. We did build a few things that are small type features and additions that the backend is there for, the API is there for it. And so our front end developer can work with it. But 
definitely when we emerge out of this in January, we will still have a list of front end things. Uh, we won't get through everything. So anyway, just sharing that with you, if you ever hit a similar situation, if you have, you know, structure like ours and whatever else, there's one part of your product where you have to take a time out on a front end developer, a back end developer, uh, or something like that. You can definitely focus just on one part and things will work out for you. All right. So that's catching up on the product side of things. Uh, since I've last been able to share those, I hope you enjoyed the sales updates. Uh, and these, um, as again, if you want to reach out, uh, send an email, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at leadfrontal.com. If you have uh, other show ideas or any feedback for me as I get into these solo missions now, looking to try to achieve every two weeks with it and definitely have some uh, things to talk about with you in the next couple of weeks, as well as giving you updates on sales and growth and stuff like that as well. So thanks for listening and we'll talk soon.